Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast, presented by Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill. Get 15% off your online order with a promo code HEELS15. Go to jerseymikes.com slash order now. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. John Sigley here with Taylor Vipolis. For the listeners, this is going to be a new podcast series that Inside Carolina is launching. It's the Ask EJ and Taylor podcast with EJ Wilson, who will be joining us most weeks. Unfortunately, he was not able to make it today. So this one's just going to be Taylor and I kind of flying duo on this one. Before we get started, Taylor, how things going for you, man? I can't complain, you know. Um, settling into my new place here, uh, right outside of DC. Um, so everything's going good for me. Good to hear it, man. Well, so one of the things that we're going to be doing on this podcast is answering the listener questions. So for those that want to help out and be a a part of this podcast, you can get those questions by posting on the Inside Carolina Tar Pit Premium Message Board. We'll be posting a thread every week, usually on Mondays or maybe late on Sunday and then locking it on Wednesdays, which is when we will be recording this. Uh, This is a pretty new thing, so we didn't get a whole lot of questions for this one. Uh, Taylor actually reached out on social media, and we got some questions from there as well. But for the listeners, you know, make sure that you guys do get these questions in for future podcasts. We're going to be primarily focusing on the upcoming games, so, you know, do keep that in mind. But this is really a connection between uh, Taylor, EJ, and the IC fans. So with that being said, let's just jump right into it. And Taylor, the first question that we got off of social media was a pretty good one, I thought. it's It asked, other than the final score, what is the most important stat or other aspect of the game that fans should pay attention to to see if the team has improved? Obviously, there are a lot of ways that you can answer that one. Three and nine last year just was not a very good season. So, you know, when you read that, what immediately jumped into your mind there? First off, I think it's going to be critical for one of these teams to win at the point of attack in the trenches. Um, Whose offensive line kind of gets the most push? Whose defensive line stops the run, keeps those third downs in uh, kind of lengthy down and distance situations? So that's what I would look for right away, which team is able to run the ball more efficiently and kind of control the game at the line of scrimmage because you control the game running, you control the clock, and, you know, time of possession becomes becomes a problem when at the end of the game you might be down a couple scores and by that time it's it's already over. Um, another Another spot that I would look at, is how UNC finishes games. So they went into a lot of fourth quarters with the lead last year, and they just didn't have the 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 guys and the depth to kind of finish games. So if Carolina does have a lead going into the third quarter, into the fourth quarter, it'll be interesting to see, 
can they hold on and can they finish games and be a complete team that can play four quarters of solid football? Yeah, the, the fourth quarter aspect is what jumped into my mind here because just as you said, Taylor, you and had the lead late into several games last season and just let it slip through their fingers. And I think that's something that the coaching staff has been prioritizing. You know, it was just a long, rough season with the injuries. So this wasn't a question asked, but when you're talking about that depth, do you think that the fact that Carolina hopefully will have some better luck on the injury front could play a part in that? Yeah, if if you're healthy, that should help out with the depth. Um, I think this recruiting class that Carolina just brought in is the most week one ready that coach Fedora has had. Um, so that will help out with depth. You have guys like William Barnes, Trey Morrison, uh, Bryson Richardson. There's countless uh, true freshmen that are expected to contribute. And those were just bodies that you didn't have last year. So I think there's a lot of factors that kind of go into it. Um, you have redshirt freshmen like Jeremiah Gemmel, who didn't play last year. And now his role expands with Andre Smith declaring early. Um, Matt Flint should be expected to play a ton. You had Antonio Williams transferring over from Ohio State. So Carolina has a lot more able bodies this year. Um, they're not proven. So it's it's a thing where once uh, Saturday comes, you'll kind of see how this team can kind of handle uh, handle playing with more people. So talking about the freshmen there, let's transition into the second question that I wanted to go here where someone asked, how do the coaches, how are they, I should say, going to manage the red shirts with the new rule? Play them early, like against Cal, or save them just in case? So there's a second part to this question that uh, that we'll get to in, in a little bit, Taylor, but because you brought up the freshmen, I felt like that would be a good way to start. For those that may not be aware, the NCAA did pass a rule where now freshmen or anyone can actually play up to four games without costing themselves a redshirt season. That is huge for every college football program, but especially where, like you said, with UNC having such talented freshmen coming in, I think that you could actually see someone like an Antoine Green potentially get playing time against Cal. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think the coaches should kind of approach it with the mindset play the best guys, play whoever's going to give you the best chance to win in terms of starters and too deep. I wouldn't really be worried about the red shirt rule unless the guys, the guys like teetering with the threes, maybe the fours, then you're starting to think, okay, we don't want to play him in, in, uh, in like not garbage time, but when the game really doesn't count. But if these guys are guys that could help you win, you have to play them and you have to put them on the field. Guys like Anton Green, uh, De'Ami Brown, uh, Javante um, Williams, guys that are going to give you the best chance on offense to succeed, I think the coaches will play them. And it's you you can't be thinking about the redshirt with guys like that because if these guys do play up to their potential, there's a chance that they leave after three years anyways. You know, we've seen it with Mitch Trubisky, Elijah Hood, Andre Smith. So 
in terms of starters and too deep, I think it's let the best guys play and really don't worry about the redshirt rule. Well, and I thought it was interesting as well that Coach Fedora announced that true freshman Cade Fortin will actually be the backup going into Cal. At the quarterback spot where obviously you can only play one guy for the entire game, ideally, I think that that's actually a position where this redshirt rule will have a big time impact especially with, you know, given that UNC doesn't really have that established backup to extent. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a great point. Um, it would be hard to, I would see, I, it would be hard to see both true freshmen play this year more than the four games that the redshirt rule kind of uh, exists for. You have Chaz Surratt coming back after four games. So if anything happens to Nathan Elliott, I think Chaz Surratt will be right there. And then after, if you go through Nathan Elliott, Chaz Surratt, Cade Fortin, who's your backup right now, if you're going through those three guys, it's probably not the best season already. So you could put a guy in like Manny Miles, um, a guy who really understands the offense, a senior who the guys could kind of rally around kind of like they did against Nathan, uh, with Nathan Elliott last year. And then if you're towards those last four games where you're really getting desperate and a guy like Jace Ruder still hasn't seen the field or he hasn't seen the full four games yet, then you could try to get him in, especially in that Western Carolina game. I think that's going to be one of the first true times, uh, maybe outside the ECU game. I would say ECU and Western Carolina, I would circle those games as games where you're going to see Cade Fortin, you're going to see Jace Reuter and see what they can kind of do in the offense if if Coach Fedora has uh, faith in them and has confidence that they could run his offense. Yeah, I'm right there with you on that. I think that in the Western Carolina game, especially given that it's late in the season and the upcoming game after that is NC State, I think that the coaches will definitely be using that one as kind of a exhibition game freshmen that have not used up their four games yet. Let's take a quick break, though, Taylor, to talk about Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill. Now, every time I read this ad, I always get a little bit hungry, even though we're recording after dinner time. But for everyone listening in, when you need a quick and easy, delicious lunch or an easy tailgate option for you and your friends and family, I'm here to tell you that Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill is your place to go. Charlie, Clinton, Griffin, our guys at Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill, are big-time UNC fans and local residents who love the heels. They have partnered with Inside Carolina to offer a great deal for our IC podcast listeners. Right now, Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill is offering IC podcast listeners 15% off of their order with the code HEELS15. Now, this is an online promotion only, so you'll have to go to jerseymikes.com backslash order. Click on the location nearest to you. Click order, pick your favorite sub at checkout, and enter HEELS15 and get 15% off your whole order. So think about this. You're coming into Chapel Hill for a game with a family or group of friends. You place your order online, stop at one of the Jersey Mike's four locations into the Chapel Hill area, grab your subs. It's a great option for tailgating, and it's so easy. Skip the line, head straight to the register, grab your food, and you're on your way. There are three locations in Chapel Hill, on Elliott Road, off MLK, right off of I-40, and at Falcon Bridge Shopping Center on 54. And also there's the location Hillsboro right off of I-40 on exit 261. There's no denying that Jersey Mike subs are delicious, so take advantage of this deal and support the IC podcast. 
All right, Taylor, we talked about the quarterbacks a little bit. And this coming up question, I think that we've answered it on other podcasts in the past, but it's still one that I think is pertinent where we were asked if we thought the suspensions had anything to do with the depth chart at quarterback. My personal thought is no. I think that Elliott was kind of the leader, even leaving the spring training session practices. But, you know, you're obviously a lot closer to the team that, than I am, uh, being the former player there. So what's your thoughts on that? W- what were you kind of hearing in that regard? Yeah, I think Nathan Elliott was definitely the clubhouse leader to be the starter against California, um, regardless of the shoe suspensions. He did enough where the team looked better around him towards the end of last year. It was an extremely small sample size. And uh, he even wrote this today, even smaller when you consider that one of those games was against Western Carolina. But you can't deny the fact that the team was able to move the ball better. Was it Nathan Elliott? Was it players just getting healthy? Was it later in the season when guys had more of an understanding? Those are all things that you kind of have to wait and see. But I think he did everything to earn the starting rep. Uh, I mean, the starting reps before the suspensions. Um, but the only way I would say, the only way I would say the suspensions had anything to do with the depth chart at quarterback is if there were no suspensions, Chaz Surratt's your number two quarterback. I think he kind of proved that last year. He started 2017 strong first three games. He completed like 70% of his passes, no interceptions. He won ACC rookie of the week that week against Louisville, where he, uh, unfortunately got hurt for the rest of the game. He's just a sophomore. I think the potential is uh, still there to be the future quarterback for North Carolina. I think he's got to be able to stay ready and stay focused throughout the suspension because once he does get back, he's one play away. So the only way I would say the suspensions kind of affected the depth chart is Cade Fortin wouldn't be the number two. It would most likely be Chazaret. Definitely agree there. I mean, look, it's four games, but as you said earlier, at least now Carolina can play some of those true freshmen if they need to without worrying about affecting future eligibility. Sticking with the offense, though, let's talk about the running backs. This was, I thought, a pretty good question here where someone asked, how many different players will be used in the run game against Cal? Now, obviously, there was an injury in the running backs. Uh, Michael Carter had a broken hand. He's still dealing with that. He has been practicing. I don't think he's actually going to play, though, Taylor. Um, I think that UNC will use a healthy dose of Antonio Williams, actually. But again, you know, what was kind of your thoughts there? Yeah, they'll definitely use two in Antonio Williams and Jordan Brown. And then Javante Williams is a guy who's gotten a ton of buzz recently which is kind of surprising because he wasn't that highly recruited. So he could be, he could wind up being a gem for Carolina. Um, Mm -hmm. But it all depends, I think on, you know, if Antonio Williams comes out of the gate and he's just gashing Cal, it's going to be hard to then take him off the field and go to your third running back in Javante or, uh, even further down the line with a guy like uh, Antoine Branch. So it all depends on kind of how the running backs are playing. If one of these guys is able to separate themselves and show that they do deserve more carries, 
but I would say three is a safe number with Javante Williams being the third. Actually, a name that I'm glad you brought up with, with Javante because, like you said, he wasn't really that highly rated, but there's really been some rave reviews coming out of the um, summer camps and everything about him. Dig into that a little bit more. I mean, what really have you heard that kind of have led to that hype building up for him? Yeah, I've heard his maturity is kind of unseen for somebody that young. Um, He came in, he was able to pick up the offense. And one of the things that's the hardest from the high school to the college level at running back is pass protection. Um, And from everything I've heard, he's able to pick up these blitz packages, kind of be there for whoever the start, whoever uh, is in at quarterback and be a protector for them. It's just not something you really do at the high school level a ton, um, blocking out of the backfield. Those guys are mostly just running the ball, just and they don't really have too firm of an understanding of what it takes to be a pass protector. But he, from all the reports, is he's picked it up and is passing all the coaches' tests with flying colors. It's great to hear, especially from you know the, the true freshman guys that are just stepping up like that. Death at running back is huge. Last year, Carolina had almost no death at running back. They had used converted linebackers. So if these young guys are really showing out, that is going to be huge, especially late in the season. So then let's go ahead and go back to the second part of the question. I completely forgot to, to read it out earlier, but the same person that asked us about the red shirts also asked about the drag routes. So talking about the defense now, and you know, defending against those. That was a weakness of the team last year, and they followed up that kind of talking about the defense is where do you think Cal will ultimately be won or lost? Yeah, the drag routes are a real pain to defend because you have this guy flying across the middle of the field. So you either have a linebacker who most of the times is going to be uh, not as athletic as some of these slot receivers or some of these receivers kind of flying across the middle, or you have a corner who's maybe coming from the outside and this guy already has um, that kind of inside leverage. So you could either try to take away that from uh, like in the nickel position, playing more inside, playing more inside if you're an outside corner. But I think it will help Carolina if they do have depth at linebacker because guys like Cole Holcomb won't be playing, you know, 90% of the snaps. And when he's in, he can be his most effective and not just be absolutely exhausted and trying to keep up with these slot receivers who are running like four fours across the middle of the field. (laughs) And then you also have, you should have an improved pass rush with guys like Malik Carney and Taman Fox being able to play, even though they're uh, suspended and they got their suspension staggered for this game. Because if if those guys are able to beat the tackles off the edge or beat them with a swim move inside and just collapse the pocket, it's going to make life difficult for Cal's quarterback. And he won't have as much time for those kind of routes to develop. So it's it's one of the things where everybody at every level has to be doing their job and executing. And it will slowly take pressure off of those uh, respected units. So speaking as a former wide receiver yourself, on those drag routes, you mentioned that they are very difficult for the defense to cover. Is that, you know, what's kind of your mindset if you're playing that slot position? Like, is that something that the receivers 
will specifically target. Like you guys will know that, hey, this linebacker doesn't really move side to side too well or he's tired at this point. Kind of walk us through that and how you're taught to really attack the defense with those routes. Yeah, most of the times, if you can read that they're in man coverage, you're booking it across the field. Um, you're trying to run a 40 faster than the guy guarding you is running a 40 and trying to find um, that open space across the field. But then if you're finding a zone, if it's zone coverage and you can identify that, you're running and trying to sit in any open space that you can find. So as a receiver, you're kind of trying to pick up on the defense uh, zone or man. And you have to, if it's zone, you're kind of hoping that one of the defenders kind of breaks down in coverage and doesn't kind of uh, identify what they're in. And it ultimately creates more space. Or if you're playing man and somebody gets bumped in that kind of like bump and run coverage, and mm-hmm. they get thrown off of your route, it creates more space. So those drag routes are nice because you're not really running too far downfield. It's not a route that's, you know, you're going to be looking to the sideline for a sub right away. But uh, at the end of the day, it's it's a great route because it's um, it's a chance for you to make a catch and then do uh, do the rest after the catch and try to pick up some more yards for your team. Let's take a quick moment to talk about a way to go travel. Have you, as the fan, always wanted to go to a road UNC football or basketball game? Well, now is your chance. Heels Travel has partnered with Inside Carolina to provide easy and simple travel for UNC away games. Chuck Joyce, the president of A Way to Go Travel, is a Greensboro native and diehard Carolina fan. He wanted to find a better, easier, and more efficient way to get to away games. So right now, Heels Travel is selling packages to get you to the East Carolina game on September 8th and the Virginia game on October 27th. Both are day bus trips that leave from Chapel Hill and getting you back safely once the game is over. It makes the process of getting to away games easy. You can ride with other diehard UNC fans, and you don't have to worry about parking or, most importantly in my opinion, having to even drive. So you can visit heelstravel.com now or call 336-855-0060 to book. Also right now, Heels Travel is selling packages for UNC's basketball team trip to Las Vegas over Thanksgiving weekend. There's no better way to spend the holidays than watching the Heels play two games in the desert, and you can enjoy everything that Las Vegas has to offer as well. That package includes round-trip airfare from RDU Airport, round-trip transportation from the airport in Las Vegas to the hotel, and a three-night stay at the Aria Resort and Casino. So again, visit HeelsTravel.com now or call 336-855-0060 to book. All right, let's get back to these questions then, Taylor. Let's turn to the one that we got on the message board. Again, I think that was partly my fault. I didn't post the actual thread asking for questions until super late. So I take full responsibility for that one. Hopefully in the future, I'll get that out sooner so we can get some more of our IC guys, um, you know, kind of giving us their, their thoughts here. But even though we only got the one question, it was actually a multi-parter, Taylor. So Rob, if you're okay, let's just kind of take them one at a time. All right. So the first one was, in your opinion, do you think it's harder to recruit to a more challenging academic university? I guess that's getting along the lines of, you know, North Carolina has, it's perceived to be some stricter academic kind of hurdles that players may have to jump over in order to get in. I think just overall, 
is that something that you have actually seen? And do you think that that's even valid to say that there is a challenge at UNC to getting certain players into the football program? Yeah, first off, I just want to give a, a shout out to coaches all across the country because recruiting's hard no matter where you are. Um, seeing the kind of work that those guys put in and all the way up from signing day to the next signing day, all of it's hard. And I think it's especially hard at Carolina because because of those admission standards, because you have this board of all of the guys that you're interested in. But once you start finding out about their grades, you have to slowly start to cut some of these guys out. And it's sometimes it's not something that you find out until you're so far down the road in recruiting him. And then it feels like you just wasted all that time. Um, and then I, th- I think it hurts for the coaches when, you know, they can't recruit somebody because of how high UNC standards are. But then the kid turns around and goes to like an old Miss or mm-hmm. goes to a Florida State. And it's kind of like, <laughs> why why can they play there? But at the same time, I understand where UNC is coming from, where you want to uphold this uh, prestigious academic reputation you have and you don't want to jeopardize it by bringing in players that you think can't handle the academic course load because at the end of the day you're just hurting them if they truly can't keep up to the standard that you kind of have set so I kind of see both sides to the recruiting and why it's more difficult at UNC but I would definitely say it is more difficult at UNC. It's an interesting perspective, and obviously, being a former player, you've actually seen this. I mean, a lot of us that are just fans, we're looking at it from the outside. So um, I think that that's very interesting to hear there. So let's move on to the the second question here, which I'm going to kind of rephrase this a little bit, where it talked about the level of support between the basketball team and the football team. And I think the ultimate thing here, Taylor, is, in your opinion, what can Carolina do to make sure that fan support for the football team is at the highest it can be. Yeah, the problem with the basketball football thing is everybody that's a fan of Carolina football is also a fan of Carolina basketball, but not everybody that's a Carolina basketball fan is a Carolina football fan. So you you understand that as a football a football player just because of how big the North Carolina brand is worldwide and you respect the basketball players they're putting in work just like you and their program has gotten to a point where they are at the national level and you know they're on ESPN every chance every chance ESPN gets they want North Carolina basketball on so it's it's cool to see you know guys that you become friends with on campus reach that level like some of my best friends at UNC were on the basketball team and it's, it's never something that you're like, oh, man, I'm jealous of the basketball team because at the end of the day, they're where they are because of the program that they've built. And if you're Carolina football, you're trying to build that. And it starts with finding a coach who I'm hoping that it is Coach Fedora, somebody that could be there as long as somebody like Roy Williams has kind of built the basketball program. And they have that kind of continuity and sustainability to a point where they can have weekends like they just did um, last weekend in Chapel Hill, where you have tons of guys and tons of people that were a part of past programs coming back, because that's just something that we really haven't had at Carolina football with the kind of the disconnect between uh, the Butch Davis era and 
transitioning into Coach Fedor, but I think Coach Fedor is slowly starting to build that in Chapel Hill. If you look at the freak show, um, mm-hmm. he brought in, he brought back a ton of former players, guys that, you know, were excited to get back to Chapel Hill, guys that were excited to see their old coaches and just familiar faces around the program. So I think just finding that continuity with football. And then if you are a supporter of the Carolina football program, that's great. You know, try to try to convince more people to come out with you to games and it's ultimately going to take winning, but at the same time, it would be nice to, you know, kind of fill out the stands regardless of the team's record. Let's take our last commercial break here, Taylor. And when we get back, we'll wrap it up with the final two questions out of that four parter. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. Some brands offer you low finance, or cashback, or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finance is made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. And we are back with the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegler here with Taylor Vipolis wrapping up your questions for Taylor. And like I said, for future podcasts, we'll have EJ Wilson on here as well. But let's go ahead and run through these, Taylor. The third question from the message board asked you, what was the loudest slash rowdiest crowd you've ever seen in Keenan Stadium? I'll go with the top three, starting from number three. Uh, was And I've only been here since 2012 I came from New York so I never really got the chance to come to Carolina football games or follow the program that closely before 2012 so all mine is from 2012 on um number three I would say is the zero dark Thursday game against Miami Uh, I think the blackout the top 15 opponent at the time Miami um the night game kind of all those factors was uh really cool and that was my first year on the football program and that was the first game I was able to dress and I remember coming out of the tunnel and just seeing how packed the stands were and how loud the crowd was and I remember coming out of the tunnel and feeling like I was going to faint for that for that (laughs) first time and I couldn't believe that like I finally had gotten to that point and seeing that crowd was awesome uh number two I would say the Pitt UNC game from 2016, mm-hmm. um, that huge comeback. Uh, it was just big play after big play after big play on that last drive, and you could kind of you kind of uh, could sense the fans that stuck around. That's that's another thing, you know. Some of the fans took off, but the fans that stayed there really rallied around the team, and they could sense that something, you know, magical was about to happen. And they stayed involved from uh, when the UNC was down, I think, 14 till Bug Howard made that miraculous catch and Nick Weiler kind of capped it off with that extra point. And then number one, it was my freshman year, UNC versus NC State, the GL punt return game mm-hmm. where, you know, you have the state, the state rivalry, which kind of uh, amplifies everything. And then that punt return, I've never seen a crowd not not only Carolina, like I've never seen a football crowd just kind of collectively lose their minds. And you also had 
a ton of state fans there too, which kind of added to the fact that just them kind of sitting in silence, like completely shocked. Um, so I would go with NC State because that was my freshman year when I w- was running track for UNC and kind of seeing the crowd and feeding off that energy and seeing what Coach Fedora was kind of building towards. That was what got me back interested in trying to play football. And after that game is when I went up to the football office and I met with Coach Brewer and I was like, I saw what you guys did and I want to be a part of that. So that was definitely the best crowd and best game environment I've ever seen. Oh, that's a pretty cool story right there, man. I did not know that. So so you can thank Gio for your UNC football career, huh? Yeah, shout out to Gio. There you go. All right, so let's close this podcast out with a question. I think I know the answer to this one, Taylor, but uh, let me see what your actual response is. So the final one is, who was the most athletic freak in your UNC football memory? And you can't say our esteemed IC podcast uh, colleague Mike Ingersoll. Shout out to Mike here. So he's not on the list, but aside from him, who was the most athletic freak that you think um, was at UNC? Okay, so again, I'm only coming from a since 2012 perspective. Um, and then it just kind of def- uh, depends on how you define athletic freak. There's been a ton of guys that I've seen. Eric Ebron is probably one of the first people that I kind of think of who just had this unreal combination of size, speed, athleticism. Um, he was, he was a receiver. He's just a receiver in a tight ends body basically. Um, and just the way I think one play that really sticks out to me is that Georgia tech game, that one handed catch he had. Um, so Ebron's oh, a yeah. great, Ebron's a great choice. Um, bug Howard is a great choice. Bug Howard had, maybe the biggest hands I've ever seen and just his ability to just like one hand pick a ball away from a defender was like unbelievable. I think his glove was either like a four X or like a five X. And it was something that uh, UNC had to like get custom ordered just to fit his hand and just the way he was able to, you know, he's also a great basketball player. So he was a guy who could, I firmly believe that bug Howard could have been in Roy Williams rotation. That's how good he was at basketball too. (laughs) And just how, just how big of an athletic freak he was. And then this is probably where you thought I was going to go. Mac Hollins, um, Uh just, just what he could do on the athletic field. Um, there was times when we would have, um, three hundreds, which is basically you're just running around the perimeter of the football field. And we would have like five or six of those, and, you know, after the first one, people start getting tired. Any normal person starts getting tired. Mac keeps up his speed for, for, from the first one onto the second one. And then people start getting progressively tired. Mac keeps his speed from the second one onto the third one until, like, after the sixth rep, like, he looks like he could go on for maybe another hour doing this. And it was something, it was something like looking at the strength coaches, like, they couldn't figure out, like, why couldn't this kid get tired? So seeing like seeing that was impressive. And another kind of quick story from uh, my playing days. Uh, when I came over from the track team, we had um, 100 yard sprints. And 
coach Fedor, like the first, I think we had 10 hundred yard sprints and the team wasn't going like they weren't going full out. And I was coming in like first or second, but I was constantly towards the front for the first, uh, for the first like one through nine reps. And coach Fedora is like, Oh, we got a track kid. Like he was starting to gas it up. That I was, that I was pretty fast and my endurance was pretty good. And he was like, he called Mac and he was like, Mac, what do you think about racing him? And me and Mac lined up next to each other and we were both looked at each other like, okay, well, like we'll race. And in when I'm sprinting in track, I don't look up until about 15, 20 yards when I'm fully getting up in my uh, drive phase and I'm looking up. And I remember 20 yards in, I look up and Mac is on the other 40 already. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh, no, I'm in. <laughs> and like, I got to midfield and he had already finished. And I was like, okay, he is, he is unbelievable. He has unbelievable athleticism. So those would be my top three for players that I saw at UNC, Ebron, Bug Howard, and Matt Collins. All right. Awesome. That's great to hear. Well, Taylor, I really appreciate you jumping on here with me, man. We'll go ahead and wrap this one up. For everyone listening, stay tuned for these. Like I said, we'll be doing it every week. But for now, we will be signing off. Taylor, thank you again, man. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Inside Carolina podcast presented by Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill. Get 15% off your online order with the promo code HEELS15. Go to jerseymikes.com slash order now.